Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Matthew 28, if you don't have a Bible, you can look at the screen. Um, But I do always encourage you to bring your Bible, bring your notebook, uh, write things down and learn, because a disciple is a student of Jesus. Okay, so we're learning how to be like Jesus, and if you're here for the first time, we're doing a series, this, I think this is the fourth week maybe, and we're going to go through August, uh, learning how to be a disciple, and our, and our theme has been disciple, be one, and then what's the other part? Make one. Be a disciple, make a disciple, and that's just following exactly what Jesus told us to do. It's exactly what his words were, and we're going to read his last words here. And that's been our theme because we want to do what Jesus said to do. I mean, no last words is like a will and testament. And, and when someone leaves that will, their last words is what they want to have done after they're gone. Well, Jesus' last words were these words we're about to read. But what's important to understand is the reason we're doing this series is there's a lot of people in the world who claim to be Christians. Claim to be Christians. And say that they, they love God and all these things, but their lives don't line up with that. And their decisions don't line up with that. And so we, we don't want to be a church of people who just say we love God. We want to act like we love God and live like we love God and love like we love God and love like Jesus would love and live like Jesus would live and talk like Jesus would talk and walk like Jesus would walk and be his disciples. And so it says, go therefore and make Christians of all nations. Disciples. Okay, not Christians, disciples. Matter of fact, the word Christian, although we call that ourselves that, is, is, very, uh, is only mentioned one time in the New Testament. Disciples is all throughout it. Okay, when the Christians, nothing wrong with that because they, they were saying that they were like Christ, and that's fine. But a disciple is a pupil, a student of Jesus. And so I am a student of Jesus, and we all should have stood up here this morning for the prayer. Because how many students do we got here? We're students of the Bible. We're students of Jesus. We're learning how to be like him. So he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We're so blessed today to be in the time frame of the Bible where we saw God in the Old Testament in his entity of who of, the, of that part of the Trinity. We saw Jesus come from heaven to become uh, <clears throat> excuse me, our Savior. And now today we have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is here right now. And that's what you feel, and that's who's dealing with you, and that's who's helping you retain what you learn, and that's who's convicting you of your sin, and that's what's filling you with hope this morning is his Holy Spirit. And he says, teaching them to observe some of the things that I have commanded you. Why why all? Why why is it that that says all, but so many Christians don't only want to believe what they want to believe? Right? They only want to grab out of the trail mix the things that they like and leave the raisins at the end or whatever it is that you don't like. we got to grab God's word and take the whole thing. Amen? All. That means I can't say, well, I like John, but I don't like Revelation. That means I can't say, I like like preacher to talk about heaven, but I don't want him to talk about hell. I like when, when that preacher talks about grace, but I don't want him to talk about wrath. See, we're Christians. He said, go and teach them all the things that I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So that is our job, and that is our 
our desire this morning is to learn what God's word says and live it. Now this morning I'm going to put something up on the screen a second that I've been told you a couple weeks ago I was working on. This is all part of the series and this is another thing. Last week we talked about the return of Jesus. A disciple is looking and ready for the return of Jesus Christ and watching and ready and looking. And, 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 and this goes hand in hand with that because going off kind of piggybacking again what happened a couple weeks ago uh, or last week in El Paso with the shootings and, and, and uh, a friend of ours in the church, or ch- someone in our church's friend was just killed in an ATV accident and, and, and people just think life just ends like that. It's so quick and so, so fast that it's over. And I want to preach a message this morning about how important it is to realize that once we are born and we breathe our first breath, something happens. Now, obviously, life happens, but I want you to stay with me on this. Most mothers will know this, but I would believe some might, some even mothers might not know this technically. I'm not a doctor, but I know how to read. Okay? And in the mother's womb, all of us, when we were born, before we were born, we were in our mother's womb. We, we, we had no oxygen inside of our lungs. What we had inside of our lungs, we weren't breathing like we breathe now. We had amniotic fluid in our lungs. And so babies in the womb do not breathe the same way we breathe now. And they live off the oxygen of their mother. And an amazing thing happens when a baby comes out, of, when the water breaks and the baby comes out of the womb. In that first up to 10 seconds, that baby is grasping for their first breath. And, and it's amazing that people don't believe in God when you think about the miracle of birth that that baby has been in, in, a, in a womb for that time of nine months, and I know it's a little more than that, but nine months, and in their lungs, their lungs have had no capacity to breathe oxygen. But in ten, the first 10 seconds of that birth, they take this humongous gasp And all of a sudden, they breathe their first breath. And when they breathe their first breath, all of the amniotic fluid flows out of their lungs and oxygen begins to flow through their body in a miraculous birth of a baby. And from that moment that that first gasp of breath is breathed, something starts. And I want you to look at the screen and see what it is that starts when we breathe our first breath. That happens. A countdown, thank you, over our life begins. Now, I hope I'm not prophesying over anybody right here that anybody in here has nine days left. But the, the idea is for you to see the picture. And this is a fact, church. When we breathe our first breath, immediately we begin to die. Immediately our expiration date is stamped on our heads. Hebrews says that it's appointed unto man once to die, then comes judgment. We have a date of expiration on our lives. We have a a time that God has already established. And can you imagine if we were looking around this place this morning, if I could see your date and you could see mine, but we couldn't see our own? Can you imagine? And we couldn't tell each other either what the dates were. Can you imagine if I was looking out preaching to you guys this morning and some of y'all's was in the days? Amen. You know what I would do? I'd preach the same way that I'm preaching right now. If it was 500 days or it was three days. Because there has to be, a disciple has to have a sense of urgency 
in their life. A disciple, not a Christian, but a disciple gets an urgency in their heart that I have got to work. I have got to do something with my life that's going to make a difference because there is a date above my head. And look, since we started, that countdown's been going. And by the time the service is over, it's not going to stop. The seconds are going to keep moving. The minutes are going to keep moving. The hours are going to keep moving. And every single one of us, as the same way... We gasp to breathe our first breath to come into this world. We will one day all breathe a last breath. Unless last week takes place first, which is what my hope is. Jesus comes back first. And we who are alive and remain shall be caught up in the Lord with the Lord in the air. Amen. But if that doesn't happen before that date that is already established, do you understand that today already that's already been there since the day you were born? Some, baby, some people don't make it past three days. Some people don't make it past a week. Babies are born after. Some people here have lost babies at, at, at days, at months, at years. Uh, it, 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 but it starts. It starts immediately. And so there has to be a disciple has an urgency to understand that I can't just say, well, I'll do it later. I'll, I'll just wait and do it next time. Amen. And so I want to get into some scripture. If you open your Bibles to James chapter 4. And I want to show you some things in the Bible that really help us this morning to get an urgency in our hearts to understand that, that we are going towards every day and every hour and every minute and every second towards that day where we will breathe our last breath. Come now, he says, you who say today or tomorrow we will go and to such and such a city and spend the year there. We'll buy and we'll sell and we'll make profit. Now those are just plans, okay? Those are normal plans. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. How many times have you heard me at an altar call say, you don't know what tomorrow brings? I'm quoting this scripture. It says, you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. For what is your life? You ask yourself that question, what is your life? Look what the Bible says is your life. It is even a vapor or a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. So the Bible tells us, God's word tells us, that our lives are like a vapor. And, and, and really, in the reality of eternity, our lives are very short. Could have quoted you a whole bunch of verses this morning about how short life is. There's a lot of verses that mention that actual word, short. It says short. Life is short. We've heard people quote that. There's verses in the Bible that say it. So James is telling us here that it's not anything that's going to last for a long time. And, and, and so you have to think about it, not in a fearful way. This is, see, some people, a disciple didn't take this this morning as a fearful thing. A disciple took this as a, I've got to get to work. Let me say that to the wall real quick, because none of y'all caught that. First service was all over it. Let me say that again. A disciple doesn't take it as, oh, my gosh, I'm going to die. That's a fear thing. A disciple says, oh, man, that's right. I'm, I'm going to die someday, and I need to do something for the Lord before he, before he comes back or before I breathe my last breath again because he's going to hold me accountable for my life, and i got to make a difference in this world. That's what a disciple does. A disciple says, man, i got to get after this. I can't quit, keep wasting time or putting it off or saying I'll do it tomorrow or I'll do it next week or answering the call that God has on your life because you all have a call in your life to do something for God, share your faith, to be a disciple, and to make a disciple, at least one. Say at least one. If you haven't been in this series, you know what that means. If you've been in this series, you know what that means. At least take somebody to heaven with you. At least one. 
Amen. At least one. Hopefully more, but at least one. Now watch what it says. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or do that. Now I'm going to be honest. When I was in Costa Rica, this verse was quoted a lot. And I didn't understand that they were quoting the verse. Pastor Mario will understand this, and he will, he will step right on. Carla will understand it, of course. I would tell, and I, I, didn't, I didn't understand they were quoting the verse, and I thought it, it came across to me as an excuse. And I'd be like with the ministry team or, or, or the church, I'd be like, hey, let's do this, or let's do that, let's meet here, let's meet there. And they'd always say, si, si, Dios quiere. They'd say, yeah, if the Lord wills, if the Lord wants. And every time they said that, to me it was like an excuse, like I'm not going to be there. But they were just quoting this scripture and, and, and the idea of it was right. They were saying, look, I can't, I, I, it was religious, though, at the same time. Because they're saying, I can't be there because if the Lord wants me to be there, I'll be there. That's kind of obvious, right? The attitude behind this is, I can make plans, but I don't know if my, if my countdown's going to end before I make my plans. I don't know if the countdown's going to end before I get to the plans. But we have to make plans. We have to occupy till he comes. We have to work. We have to do things for the Lord. But the bottom line is, there's a number above our heads right now, every single one of us. Now think about this as I'm preaching. What if you could see mine? What if mine was in the minutes? What would happen? Think about it. It'd be crazy, right? If we could see somebody else's countdown, there'd be an urgency. You might say, Pastor, we've got to get you to the hospital or whatever. But you know what? Even if you saw my countdown in the minutes, if you take away the hours there and the days and say you saw my countdown above my head and it said 7 minutes, 54 seconds, You'd say, Pastor, we got to go to the hospital real quick. You're about to die. Would that help me? Nope. Because that countdown, when it ends, it's going to end. I, we played in a little basketball tournament yesterday, and when you're playing basketball or any sport, if you get tired, you can say, time out, and the clock will stop. And when the clock stops, you can go over to the bench, and you can relax, you can rest, you can talk, you can strategize. There's no time out in life. You, you can say, God, time out. I need some time. And he's going to be like, nope, sorry, you don't have any. Y'all hear? Time don't stop. That clock's going to continue. Whenever we put a verse up, and we're going to look at a verse right now, and we're looking at that, that on the screen, that verse is there, but the clock keeps ticking. It doesn't stop when, when we go over to the verse. Let's look what David said about this in Psalms 144, verses 3 and 4. He says, Lord, what is man that you, are, that you take knowledge of him, or the son of man that you are mindful of him? Does it blow anybody else away that God actually thinks about us? That big creator of the universe. And then he says, man, watch, this is not me quoting this. He says, man is like a breath. I want everybody just to breathe in and breathe out with me. That's what we're like. Man says we're like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. Why, why would God say this in the word? Why would he throw scriptures out like this? Because he wants us to understand that we cannot continue to, to say, well, I'll do that later, or I've got time. Aren't we good at that? I've got time. I'll do that later. A lot of times with things in life, we say, I'll do that later when I get older. What if your countdown ends before that? There's a countdown over our heads that we've got to pay attention to and realize, amen, it's, it's still going. Look, it didn't stop while we looked at that verse. Now let's look at another one, another one in Psalms. This is interesting perspective from David. How many of David was running for his life? Most of his time, when he wasn't a king, he was running for his life from Saul. Saul wanted to kill him. And he says this powerful verse in Psalm 39.4. He says, Lord, make me to know my end. Now, not know the date because we can't know that. 
Make me to know my end, and what is the measure of my days that I may know? Look at this, how frail I am. God is saying in his word here, we're frail. We're fragile. How many times do you think in your life you should have died and you didn't? Your fragile body, how many times should you have been breathing your last breath or been in an accident or, 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 or were saved from something? It's just an amazing thing to think how fragile life is. It really is frail and fragile and how much power God gave us in our bodies to be able to, to survive, right? But he says we're frail. And he's telling us that for a reason because he wants us to understand that once we breathe that first breath as a child, we are on a countdown and it's going down. So here's the thought. What should we do then if we know that? If we know that's the case, what should we do? Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Me and amen when you get there. Here's what God says we should do. If we know there's a countdown, if we know that when we breathe that first breath, we begin to go down, and now, now every day that goes by, it's less and less. He says, here's how you should walk. Circumspectly. Not as fools, but as wise. And look what he says. Redeeming the time redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Now, leave it there for a second, because I want to focus on this redeeming the time thing. I I wish, and you wish, and we wish, that we could do the whole time out thing. How many have ever played a game, like a board game or something, that has the hourglass thing? Right? Life is not a board game. It would be awesome if it was, right? We We could say, man, I lost, tear all the stuff off like Monopoly, put it all back on again, start over. We can start over in mistakes and we can start over and a lot of things like that but the one thing we can't start over is the hourglass okay when we when we are looking at our lives i was thinking the other night me and carla and Kristen and destiny had a rare night together at our house it's been like the first time since we all went in different directions that we were in the same roof uh had a game little game night hung out a little bit how many have ever played that game speak out anybody know what game that is if you haven't played speak out you need to play it at least once you grab these things and you put them in your mouth and it, it takes your mouth wide open. Look like It almost looks like a square. And you're going to laugh just looking at the person with the thing in their mouth to start. And then you have to say words with this thing in your mouth. <laughs> Myra's over there dying. I'm going to play with you, Myra. Amen. Everybody go run out and go get speak out, I'm telling you. If you want a family game, put the phone down, put the cell phones down, throw them out the window for a little while, put this game out and play it. Amen. But it's a lot of fun. You'll laugh till you cry. And you're trying to speak. Some people can't speak normal, right? And then you got this thing in your mouth, and the bees are really hard. But the thing is, is there's an hourglass. And when you're trying, me and my wife, I think we have a great marriage, but we do not do well at this game at all. We were horrible together. Me and Kristen switched over, and all of a sudden we were booming. But we couldn't understand each other. We understand the love, though, the love language. But that hourglass is there, right? And you flip that thing over. And have you ever noticed that when the other team's going, it seems like the hourglass never moves? And then when it's your turn, it seems like it goes really fast. How many older people do I have in here that have realized that the older you get, the faster your, your, your countdown starts going? You start realizing it's like, man, everything's flying now. Time is flying. And everything just goes faster. The bottom line is, church, that hourglass of our countdown is not going to stop. So it says we've we got to redeem the time. The New Living Translation says, make the most of every opportunity. And I'm going to go here for a second on something that's important. If we want to make a difference as disciples, we have to be real people. We have to love people. 
That's another message, but we have to make a difference in people's lives. How many know that when you're with somebody sometimes, you, 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 you don't know if that's the last time you'll ever see them? And it, you, you've heard the saying, when someone loses somebody, you'll see them post something or say something, hold your loved ones close. Hold them close because, you know, if, if, once they've lost somebody. My thing is, why don't you hold your loved ones close before you lose them? Right? Why don't you realize that every single time you're with a family member or a person that you know, even here in church, when we say bye, it could be the last time we ever say bye. So what I'm saying is that with this countdown mentality and making the most of every opportunity and redeeming the time, we have to make a, a, an impression on the person that we're talking to. Like stop sometimes. You know what you should do sometimes here in church? Stop sometimes. Have a conversation with somebody in this place. Look them in the eyes and talk to them and care about what they're saying. Stop and talk to some of these kids. Amen. Make a relationship with some of these kids and shake their hands and give them high fives and make, make, make a difference in people's lives because they're going to remember that when you're gone. And, and a few weeks ago, we had a, a ministry meeting and, we, and I showed a video that was really powerful. It was not a Christian video, but it was a really powerful video called I'll Never Forget That Cup of Coffee. And what it was about was this man went to the airport in Cleveland and he was going, or he was going to Cleveland. I, I forgot what airport he was at. It doesn't really matter. And he was getting coffee. Now, I'm not going to take the time to go on how much I love coffee and how much that sounds good right now. But I love coffee, and this guy loves coffee, so he was getting some coffee in the airport. And the girl was, uh, you know, interacting with him and saying, where are you going? And who are you going to see? And he's, she's asking him all these questions. And, and she says, at the end, would you like to uh, have some whipped cream on that coffee? And would you like me to put some hazelnut on there? And she's just really pouring it on. And so the whole time that he's, she's talking to him, he's like looking around to see if there's a camera or something because he's just being super extra nice. He thinks he's on candid camera or something. So she finally gives him the coffee, and she's like, hey, when you go to your destination, you have a good time, and when you come back through, you stop here and you let me know how your trip went. You make memories with your family. And she's just speaking to this guy. And the guy walks away, and he goes to the terminal, he sits down in the chair, and he's like, i got to go back and talk to her. What she put in this coffee? He's just wondering, what, are the, what is the deal? So he goes back, and she says, sir, what's wrong? Did I do something wrong with your coffee? He's like, no, I just don't understand why you're so happy. I don't understand why you care so much about this cup of coffee. And she says, sir, when I'm pouring coffee, I'm not pouring coffee. I'm pouring happiness into people's lives. And so the bottom line of this whole little video we watched is, is that guy said, I'll never forget that cup of coffee. Because he was heading to a city where his dad was, and his dad had gotten news of being terminally ill. And so he remembered back to that cup of coffee and the memories and all these things. And the bottom line is, is we, need, we have an opportunity every single day to make a difference in someone's life. Speak life to them. Make, redeem the time. Talk to that person on the phone. Listen, it's not a fear thing. Can I throw that in one more time? When I talk to my wife in the morning, when I go to kiss my wife in the morning, when I kiss her at night, when I, when I send her something that I love her, I'm not doing it in the fear that my wife could pass away. I'm doing it knowing that that could be the last time I ever talk to her. Are you all understanding that? Are you all understanding that? It's not a fear thing. But it's a drive that makes it say, I've got to redeem the time. I've got to make the most of every, time, every opportunity because the days are evil. We live in a wicked world. And the devil is rampant. He's running around. He's seeking who he can devour. So let me see if that's the last part of that verse. That's uh, where we at? Fifth, 17. Yes. Moving on. Let me give you a couple more things. Um, 
That was Ephesians. We're going to go to James chapter 1. We're going to end up here. James chapter 1. Here's another way. What should we do? How should we live if we know we have this countdown? This countdown is happening in our lives. Here's the key. What do I do as a disciple to make sure that I am making the most of my days? Okay? He says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness. This is the key to discipleship. The implanted what? Word. We need the word of God in us, church. We can't be a church generation that does not know the word of God. We're really digging into this in our men's discipleship on Friday mornings. We're really making sure that as men we're starting to learn how to study words and know, and know what those words mean and find verses in the Bible. And ladies and family and church and everybody, we've got to be studiers of the word. We've got to be people that, you know what, when, we're, when I'm saying a verse, how exciting it should it be for you that you know the verse before I read it because you've read it. Right? It shouldn't be like, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And a Christian says, wow, that's a powerful verse. Some of y'all get that tomorrow. The implanted word which is able to what? Save your souls. Therefore, be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself how many parents do I have in here that like when you tell your kids to do something that they just what just do it you say oh I heard you did you hear me yeah I heard you but you didn't do it like what good does it do if you heard me do it and God is the same way God doesn't want us to say yeah yeah Lord he doesn't want to say yeah Lord I heard you I heard that word on Sunday. God says, do it. it it's not enough just to hear it. My, my assistant in Costa Rica, Guillermo, would always say something that was so true and so funny, but this is exactly how a lot of Christians are. He would tell people, he didn't speak a lick of English, and so we'd have Americans come over sometimes or whatever, people would meet him, and he would, he would tell them, he always had this joke, and he would tell them, I hear English perfectly, I just can't understand it. Think about that. I, he says, I hear it perfectly. I just can't understand it. That's how a lot of Christians are. Say, man, I heard it. I heard that, man, good word today. Good word. Good word. I heard it, man. It was good. And there's no application to it, though. Like, don't tell me. I don't even want to, I, I thank you if you come tell me that was a good word. But you know what really makes me happy is when I see you put it into practice. Like, don't even come, I don't mind you telling me good word. That's, I, I need some encouragement sometimes too, but what really makes me excited is just to see the application. That's the way God is too. God is like, man, that's my kid, that's my child right there. They heard it and they did it, they obeyed it. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. Picture this, look in the mirror, and then it says, for he observes himself and then goes away immediately and forgets what kind of man he was. Can you imagine looking in the mirror, walking away, and forgetting what you look like? He's saying that's what a Christian does. That's not a disciple. A Christian reads the word and walks away and forgets the word. A disciple reads the word and sees himself in the word. And the word comes alive to him or her. And that person says... Now I've got to put this into practice in my life so that I can apply this and it can bring forth fruit in my life. 
because I've got to make the most of my time. I've got to redeem my time this morning. Amen? How many are getting something? Verse 26. Wait, was the last one I read? Am I ahead of myself? 25. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, means applies it, is not forgetful here, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in everything he does. How many want to be blessed? If you want to be blessed, you obey the words of God. You do what his word says. This one will be blessed in what he does. Look at 26. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless, verse 27, and pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, that to visit orphans and widows in their trouble, watch this, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. So what are we doing in this, in this discipleship thing? We're becoming pupils of Jesus. We're trying to act like Jesus. And we're understanding that our time is short and that countdown keeps going. There it is again. Those seconds haven't left. Those seconds haven't stopped. There's no time out. Time's ticking. And I've got to do something while it is day. Amen. One last, one last verse. I said that was it, but I got one more. Let's go to Romans 10 to close. Sorry, Romans 14. Romans 14. Here's another reason why it's so important to to remember the countdown. Now, again, we don't know how many hours, days, months, years, seconds, minutes are in our countdown, but we know there's a countdown. But the Bible tells us here, this is, how many have ever heard anybody say, don't judge me? Right? That's everybody's defense for living the way they want to live. Don't judge me. And the bottom line is, it doesn't matter if I judge you or not. God's going to judge you. God knows your heart. God knows your works. God knows you. But watch what he's saying here in, this, in Romans. He says, why do you judge your brother? And this is, this is something we're trying to really, really uh, put, make clear here in our walks with the Lord. Why do you judge your brother? Because what we do is we, we focus more, a lot of times, energy on what somebody else is doing than on what we are doing ourselves. And, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm talking about uh, worrying about what they're doing wrong or, or where they're living in their lives or, wh- or how lost they are instead of focusing on making sure that I'm right so that I can be the vessel God wants me to be, that the people around me would want to be like me and do what I do. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So he didn't say, he didn't say do as I do so that you can judge others. He says, don't, why, do you, why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? Watch this. Here's the key. For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We're all going to give an, an account. Watch what the next part says. It actually says that. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to God. Now, I want to say this real quick because I haven't said this for a while. And we'll finish this last verse uh, as the musicians come this morning. This is, this is a, 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 a picture that we need to see, okay, of heaven. If you've ever heard that verse, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess, what that means is we know that, that that's what you have to do to be saved. But there will be a time after death, after the countdown ends, where every single person that's ever lived is going to come into the presence of God. And even those who have not bowed before will at that moment fall to their knees and bow. And they won't do it even because they even, they, it's going to be more of an all thing 
It's going to be more of a, you are Lord. You are King. You are Jesus. And they will do it. So if they don't, you're going to do it. Every human being is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. But you're either going to do it on this side of the countdown or on the other side of the countdown. And if you do it on the other side of the countdown, then you stand before God as judge. If you do it on this side of the countdown, you stand before God as Savior. How many want to stand before God as Savior? How many want your families and friends and neighbors and even enemies to stand before God? Some of y'all put your hand down on that enemy's part, but see a disciple even gets to the place where they want to see their enemy saved. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to God. It's 12. So then, so then, each of us shall give an account of their brothers and sisters to God. No? Who? Each of us shall give an account of himself to God. It's a personal thing. I, I've got to live for God for me. I've got to be a disciple for me. And not just for my salvation, but for my reward. I want to get a reward when I get to heaven. I don't want to just go to heaven. I want to have a reward. So I'm going to give an account for my life. And it says, therefore, verse 13, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, to not put a stumbling block or cause to fall in our brother's way. See, there's a lot of things. I could go a long way with that, but there's a lot of things in our lives that we can do, maybe in the liberty of our, our salvation, but don't be a stumbling block to somebody else. Be careful. Be, be circumspect in your walk. Say, Lord, I don't want to do anything that's going to make somebody else, you know, fall. Because I don't want them to miss out because of me. I don't want to be a stumbling block. So as we bow our heads and close our eyes this morning, this should be a constant reminder for us. Again, not of fear. Not of I'm afraid to die. I, there's a countdown what if I have days left or months left? Not a fear thing, but a motivation thing to have an urgency. A disciple takes it like God. Man, thank you for the reminder, Lord, that I, 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 my days are numbered. That life is short. Life's like a vapor. It's here and then it's gone. And What have I done? What am I going to do? Some of you here might say, man, I haven't done anything for the Lord yet. Start today. Start today. Start today. How many in this place this morning would say, God, I know that I've got a countdown on my life, and I know that you gave me breath. And I realized through your word today that I'm going to breathe my last breath again someday, and that you are the giver and taker of life. I've never really given you control of my life. I've never really let you in and said, Lord, take take control of my thoughts take control of my actions help me help me to be the the believer that you want me to be the disciple that you want me to be how many of you today have never confessed Jesus as Lord if your countdown was in the days or the hours and you breathed your last breath because we all will we all will breathe our last breath and that miracle will happen as we pass into eternity just as it was as we passed from the womb into life We'll gasp and we'll breathe our last breath. And we don't have to be afraid of where we go if our faith is in the one who gives life. There's somebody who's been to the other side of eternity and his name is Jesus. 
He went to the grave. He defeated the grave. He defeated death. He came back from life. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. He who believes in me, though he were dead, he shall live. How many in this place this morning could say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm not saved. I want to know Jesus. I want to be born again. I want to make sure that that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life so that when I stand before God, when my countdown ends, I stand before Him as Savior. Would you just lift your hand all over this place? I want to pray for you. I see your hand. How many more? I see your hand. God bless you, young man. How many more? All over this place. I want to say this real quick as we close. This is important. I feel like there's some people here that your, your, your life's in the balance. I'm not saying that to scare you. What that means is if you might go out of this place today, you might disregard this opportunity. You might not give Jesus your life. And I want to tell you something. Now that you've heard a gospel message, you have no excuse. Just as you were looking up at that screen and seeing that countdown, you will stand before God someday and he will show you on a screen. I presented the gospel to you. You sat in a church service. I told you I was the way, the truth, and the life. I told you there was salvation in my name. I told you that your life was going to end someday. I told you that you'd have to give an account for your life to me. Why did you not answer the call? You'll, you'll, you'll have no excuse. But today, answer the call. No one in here is good enough to be saved, and no one here is bad enough to not be saved. There's nothing you've ever done that Jesus can't forgive. He loves you. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. Your past is, is gone. It's over. Today's a new day. Some people laugh. Some people mock at the, at the gospel of God. There'll be no laughing in heaven on that judgment day. Everybody, it'll be very serious, very somber. Today's the day. You can't do it after. You, they're, they're, the Bible has no explanation for a purgatory. That's not biblical to go to a place of, of waiting. The Bible says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. So you, once you breathe that last breath, you're in the presence of God as a judge or as a Savior. I'm going to wait just five more seconds. How many more? Pray for me, Pastor. See your hand. God bless you. I need, I need to make a decision today. I don't know what your future holds and and i'm not trying to scare you if a train was coming towards you this morning i would shout and say get off the tracks i would run over and push you off the tracks that's what i'm doing spiritually trying to make you understand that someday you're going to have a wreck it's going to be the end of your life and you're going to stand before a holy god that's going to ask you for an account of your life and without jesus you'll have no excuse without jesus you'll have no hope because the bible says all have fallen short of the glory of god Bible says the wages of our sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life how many more we're going to pray just lift your hand I need Jesus I'm not asking you to join the church I'm not asking you to be a member of the church I'm not asking you to do anything but give your life to Jesus and he'll do the rest let's stand to our feet this morning and let's stay in this presence please it's a very important part of the service this is the reason why we have a church we're not here to be a social club. We're here to make sure that people hear the gospel. And then once they've heard the gospel, learn how to live it. Learn how to be doers. Real quickly, I'm not going to wait long. If you raised your hand and you want to make that decision today, I want to ask you to do something else. I want to ask you to step out of your seat and come down to this altar and stand with me. I want to pray with you. 
just quickly, if you raised your hand, several hands went up. I'm not going to wait long. Just step out and come. We're going to give you a big old hand as you come because we're so excited to see you make that decision. Amen. Several other hands went up. You can stay looking at me. You don't have to. Thank you. Several other hands went up. I'm going to wait five seconds. Five, four, three, two. I'm going to say this real quick before I count the last second down. The reason I, that we do this is because Jesus said his own words. He says, if you deny me before man, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. But if you confess me before man, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. It's a public confession of faith. Some people say, I can do it in my chair. But Jesus didn't say do it in your chair. Jesus said, if you deny me before man, I'll deny you before my Father. But if you confess me before man, I'll confess you before my Father. If you're ashamed of Jesus, he'll be ashamed of you. Jesus was not ashamed when he wrote, when he stood on that cross naked and bled and died for you. And he did it for us. The least we can do is say, look to the world. I believe in Jesus. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I love Jesus. I thank God for Jesus. And I'm going to live for him. Amen. Two seconds. One second. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you know you need to be here. What if this is it? What if, what if your countdown's in the minutes? I have no doubt, church, over the years, there's no doubt every preacher, every pastor that's ever preached a message has had people left his, leave his congregation and go into eternity that week. Sometimes you know about it, sometimes you don't. Today's the day of salvation. The Bible says today's the day, the acceptable day of the Lord. Amen? What, if, what about backsliders? What if you're here and you at some point said that prayer and but you're, you're bound by sin again. You've gone back to what the Bible calls your vomit. You've gone back to your old ways. You're like the prodigal son. You've ran away from home. You've left your inheritance. And today, you need to come home. What if that's you? If that's you, step out and come down. I don't want anybody in this place to leave this place not saved this morning, not ready, not in the right place in your heart with God this morning, not ready to stand before holy and living God this morning. Amen. How many more? How many more? How many more? I don't know about tomorrow. I don't know about next week. Think that thing said, we don't know. We don't know what it holds. Jesus could come back today. Jesus could come back and take his church. The Bible says a horrible, horrible time on the earth is going to begin. We talked about that last Sunday, that, that these shootings and 9-11 and all these different things can't even compare to. We, don't, we can't even imagine what it's going to be like on this earth when, when, when the church is gone. See, right now, the church is holding back the spirit of lawlessness. Even though we see lawlessness, can you imagine how bad it is right now? Can you imagine when there's no church praying? Have you ever, have you ever seen a really bad fight and somebody had to break it up or they would have killed each other? That's what the church is doing right now. The church is holding back the Satan from just destroying and, and wreaking havoc and once that church is gone once we're gone we won't be here to stop it the Holy Spirit will still be here but the church won't the embodiment of the Holy Spirit won't be here and so we need to be ready now because I'll tell you something that countdown is getting closer it's getting closer it can happen anytime so we want to be ready amen you'll, you'll thank me someday for taking time at this altar you'll, take, you'll thank me sometime for, for just speaking to you and saying think about it because once it's over, it's over. You don't get a second chance. You don't get to turn the, the thing back and say, God, can I get another chance? A lot of people believe in uh, uh, reincarnation. That we're going to come back as another person or, or an animal or whatever. 
Hebrews 9.27 says it's established unto man once to die. And then comes judgment. So there's no second chance. There's no second opportunity. There's no place that you go to, to to hope that someone can pray you out of it. It's immediate and it's done. So you've made the best decision you can ever make in your life this morning. And I'm thankful that you're here. I'm just trying to make sure no one else misses out on this. I'm going to say a prayer that's straight out of the Bible. And I just want you to repeat it after me from, from your heart. And, and when we do this, we're doing what the Bible says to do. And we're going to be saved. And, and I'll explain what that means in a minute. If everybody would say it with us. Lord Jesus, I come before you this morning. And thank you for your grace and your mercy. Because your word says, I'm saved by grace. Not by my works, lest any man could boast. Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I need a savior. I make mistakes. I fall short. Jesus, I believe that you came down from heaven and lived a sinless life and became the perfect sacrifice to die on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the dead and you defeated death. And today you're at the right hand of the Father praying and interceding for me. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. And right now I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins. All of them. The ones I've, all the ones I've ever done. Cleanse me from them right now by your precious blood. And please write my name in the Lamb's book of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the, the Lord a big praise. The Bible says there's a, the angels are rejoicing in heaven right now. Amen. Let me t- Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.